And tonight's discussion is going to be dealing with a very fun, fundamental um, part of Jewish practice, uh, and that is prayer. And more specifically, how do we get our prayers answered? We all want, we all have prayers, we all have things that we want, uh, material, spiritual, physical, health, success, happiness, uh, solid relationships, you name it. We want to have a good job, we want to get promoted, we want to make a sale, we have prayers, how do we get them answered? And we're going to start off with dealing with the, uh, the basic philosophical problems with prayer. There's a few philosophical problems with the whole idea of prayer. And then we're going to deal with more of the practical uh, aspects of it, of how to get what we want and how to pray and how, and how to, how to uh, have effective prayer to actually get what we want. Okay, so, so once again, we're starting with the problems. There's a few philosophical problems with the idea of prayer. Number one, we say, Yodea machashavot. The Almighty knows our thoughts. The Jewish belief in God uh, dictates that Hashem, the Almighty, the, the, the entity that we're praying to, knows what we're thinking. Why do we have to have verbal prayer in order to get what we want. Hashem knows what we want. Boom! Why do we need to tell Him? It's, it, it's silly, so to speak, to say, to say something that's, that, that, to someone who already knows that. Yeah. Is that a valid question? It is. So that's, that's, that's one of the first real um, philosophical problems. Wait a minute. We're praying to God. God knows what we want. Why are we spending so much time telling Him that what we want and what we need? How, how many times are we saying to... Rebuild Jerusalem and let's have health and let's have, let's have prosperity. So many times we, we pray for so many things. And Hashem knows that. He knows what we need. He knows our personal lives, communal, the Jewish people as a whole. He knows what we need. He knows what we're thinking. What's the point of verbalizing Him? Um, that's one problem. We have another problem. We have part of the prayer is someone is sick, we pray that they get healthy. Rufa'enu Hashem Give us a uh, healing, so we should be healed. Now, question. If someone's sick, who made them sick? Sometimes themselves. Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, God and controls everything that happens, so obviously it's homework of the God. The big guy. Well, I mean, sometimes. Sometimes things happen. Well, actually, you, you two are engaging in a very interesting dispute, which there's, there's, there's opinions on both sides in philosoph- like classical philosophy. If someone jumps off, jumps off the roof, well, God wanted him to die. That's what you're saying, right? I mean, I mean, well, let, happens, listen, I'm jumping off the roof. Happens, in the end, is controlled by God in some way, so he enabled it to happen, so maybe yeah. he wanted it to happen. So this is, this, this, is, this is another discussion for another time, but this is, I think there's, 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 true, there's opinions for both sides, mm-hmm. um, but let, let's look at the question this way. If someone's going to die, or if someone's going to die in a natural way, mm-hmm. someone's sick in a natural way, um, they didn't cause it to themselves, they got cancer, a random occurrence, they didn't smoke, no, no, no CFCs, they didn't have any carcinogens in their house, they ate only organic food, they got sick. Who made them sick? God made them sick. Either directly or indirectly, but God knows what's happening. And let's couple that idea with the second problem, or the, the second idea that we say, Kol da'avid rachmana letavavid. Everything that Hashem does for us is for, for our best. And sometimes our, the right time is for us to go, or it's better for us to be poor. And how are we saying, God, give us, give us prosperity, give us, give us wealth, give us heal, uh, health, give us, let, let, our, let uh, all the good things that we ask for, let us have them. God knows, God's our Father in heaven, God loves us. And God's going to do what's best for us anyhow. What are we praying for? Also, how come, next problem, how come there's so many of our prayers that go unanswered? We have, many times I prayed for the lottery, yet to win it. It would help if I would play the lottery. What would you do with the money though? Oh, I haven't figured it out. (laughs) Has anyone here ever prayed that they win the lottery? Oh, but do you play the lottery? (laughs) Yes. When it gets to like 500 million. When I was little. Yeah, because you for sure can win if you don't play. I, 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 I was really hoping. And, yeah, like, 
Did anyone here ever? Did anyone here ever pray that their sports team should win? Nobody. Sunday. Huh? Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday. He's like, hey, yesterday. What do you mean? <laughs> we have prayers that go unanswered. What's up with that? God's our Father in heaven. God loves us. Why are there unanswered prayers? And lastly, and this is a tricky question. For the past 2,400 years, we have a canonized, cookie-cutter text that we pray from. We know the Ashi Chesedegudullah established a certain text that we use for our prayers. Who established it? The The men of the Great Assembly. When? About 2,400 years ago. During the time of, like, right, I think, either the tail end of the first temple period. Um, Babylonian exile period, something like that. Jason's looking at me like I'm. Uh, I don't know exactly when it was. Uh, roughly 2,400 years. Roughly, roughly 400 years before the Common Era. Now, if we want to genuinely convey <coughs> our emotions, our feelings, our requests, our desires, would it not be better, Rabbi, that we each compose our own words of prayer? That we could each speak genuinely from our own heart and not be limited to try to infuse words, ancient words, with our own feelings, with our own emotions. But can't you do this on your spare time always? <laughs> is, it not, yeah, is it not just a, a guide? It's a guide? I like that. You guys are good. I mean, you can always do that. And then there's the like, kind of community element of Judaism and that we all come to pray together and it facilitates this kind of discussion which leads to people becoming you know, more interested in religion, more involved and more thoughtful about it. Well, in truth, in truth, I think your point is correct, but, but run, it, run it the nail on the head, because I said 2,400 years ago, wait a minute, Rabbi, if there is a mitzvah, this commandment of the Torah, uh, as Maimonides brings down, a commandment to pray every day. The Torah is what? According to Jewish, the, the Jewish math, 3,300 years ago. So that means for eight or 900 years, there was no canonized text. There was no set in stone text for prayer. Everyone made up their own prayer. And indeed, he's right. Ron is right. And the best kind of prayer is where someone genuinely, in their own language, with their own way of talking, just like you talk to your friend, you talk to God and ask him for what you need. And that's the best prayer till this day. The problem was is that people were neglecting their responsibility to pray. And like you said, there was no communal aspect. It was a personal thing. You went to the fields and just talked to God. Um, in, a way, in language that's most comfortable to you. And the rabbi said, the men of the Great Assembly said, if we don't have a canonized prayer set in stone with the communal effect where everyone has to come together and pray, people are not going to do it. Um, but like, you know, I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I personally pray a lot more outside of a, of a book, outside of a synagogue, you know, outside of the, 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 the quorum of, of, you know, of, 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 of the community by myself. You know, with my kids, I always tell my kids, I told my kid tonight, he said, uh, Abba, last night I had a dream that the, we have a new bunk bed. The bunk bed fell down. I said, Akiva, every time you have a bad dream, you just say, Hashem, watch over me, my brother, my sister, and my Abba and mommy. That's what you should do. And I teach my kids this all the time because th- that's what it's all about. It's, it's, it's communicating with, with God. The reason, the reason why we have, the reason why we have this whole book it's because people were negligent and didn't do that. But today, it's still the best way to do it. It's the original and the best. And I, like, I, I talk to God tens of times a day. Tens of times. Uh, time. Right before I did this class, God, help me not screw this up and try to give it over well and try to you know, send over the... Ma- I do that, really. Because and, and, that's, that's what prayer is about. In the spur of the moment, communicating with the Almighty. But uh, indeed. So I was going to say that point later, but you, you brought the right answer. Um... Ron brought up the right answer to the question, so we... we, uh... Okay, so we have a few problems. (laughs) Uh, Let's let's, 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 uh, retrace our steps. We have a few problems. Uh, Number one, Hashem knows what we're thinking. What's the point of speaking it out? Number two, um, things that happen to a person, ultimately Hashem's going to decide what happens to them, and and Hashem's going to do what's best for them. So who are we to try to intervene, so to speak? We're trying to intervene to meddle in other, in, 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 in other people's affairs or in affairs that aren't really <coughs> up to our, our decision-making. 
And, uh, and why, why are prayers answered, some prayers answered and some prayers unanswered? Okay. Fundamental bedrock, I'm reading what I wrote here, wow. Fundamental bedrock principle of prayer. We are not praying for God. Anyone who thinks that is wrong. God doesn't need us. He doesn't, it doesn't make him feel good. If you accept the Jewish premise of God, you're saying God is perfect. God cannot be changed. God cannot be improved. It's not possible to improve God. It's not possible to reduce. God is static. So static that it doesn't even exist in time. That's the definition of static. There can't, there can't be any change. In order to have change, you have to exist in time. God, the Jewish God doesn't exist in time. You can't change him. God can feel good. Can't feel bad. Those things, those emotions are, I've said the word before, who knows the, who remembers the word? Anthropomorphism. But yeah, you're right. It is a person. <laughs> yes. So when it says in the Torah, anthropomorphism. Anthropomorphic. Man, they don't do it because they're bagots. Ask me. Can you write it down for me? Anthrop. Anthrop. Oh, I didn't know that. Anthropomorphic. When it says in the Torah, God was angry. God got angry at Moses. How come you don't believe in me? Doesn't mean God got angry. This is already explained. This is the first, the first page of Maimonides. Does not mean God as anthropomorphic. God can't be angry because God doesn't have any parts. Doesn't have any emotions. It means that God acted <coughs> in an angry way. God treated us in, a, in, a angry, in an angry way. It was manifested through His actions, but not through Him. So, um, so God, we pray. We say, God, please give me success. Please give me happiness. Please help me in my relationship. Please let me find that special one that I'm looking for. Doesn't make God feel good. It's only for us. It's only for us. When we, have, when we want success, we want our own success, we want our own happiness, we want our own positive relationships, we want our own prosperity, and that's why we want to pray. But this leads us to the next problem. And that was that if someone got sick as a result of what God decided, and if someone is poor because God said you should be poor, so why, who are we to interfere? How, should we, how can we meddle? What, what, what's, what's, the, what's the idea of us meddling in to what, God, what God's doing? If he's doing something which is good for a person, and he's a loving father, then indeed, maybe, perhaps, it seems logical, that the things that he does are good. And if the things that he does are good, we may, may, may perceive, them, perceive them as bad. Is it too hot here? No, perfect. perfect. Okay, we may perceive them. We may perceive them as bad, but in, in reality, they, they, they may be good. So, who are we to say, "Oh, this person should have a full wash lima"? This person should. This person should have prosperity. Well, maybe it's better for them to not have prosperity. So, we're praying for our own prosperity, but who says that's the right thing? So, prayer can't be for God. Okay, prayer does not seem like it could be for our own success. So why are we praying? Is there a third option? Indeed there is. Indeed there is. <laughs> okay. And I think this is I think this is um I think this is the point of the night. Or really the point, the epicenter, the uh I'm trying to think of some fancy words. This is the underpinning or this is the pinnacle. this is the not the pinnacle. Um this is the the whole idea of prayer. Well, what's prayer all about? It's not for God. It isn't really for our own health and for our own... Because God could just do it like that. God could snap, God could snap his fingers, colloquially, but God could just cause that we should have whatever we need. Why does God want us to pray? So we help ourselves. Help ourselves, okay. So, so it is for us, but... You know, if I'm saying, like, please bring me health, Okay, but God, but God can make you strong without you asking. That's true, yeah. So why does he say, pray, and then, I'll, and then I'll make you healthy? We need to manifest our own... Basically, we're judged by actions, and not by just what we think. I'm just saying that we need to show our beliefs and we need to manifest it. Mm-hmm. Some actions, we need to do something about it. We need to pray. Say I, think what, I think what Ron is saying is that... 
this is the way I'm going to say what I think he's saying. In Judaism, faith, or when we say faith, belief in God, theologically accepting the premise of a God, not being an atheist, that's just step number one. The theology part, the um, I believe in God, we mean, I believe in God, card-carrying God-believer, uh, well, they're atheists, they're crazy. Uh, um, that's not enough. That's step one. What we want is to live it, to know it, to make it real, to make it tangible, to make it alive, to make it live and breathing. Think of it as two kids who both know that fire is hot, but one of them touched the fire. So they live it, they breathe it, it's real. But both kids don't deny it. You ask both kids, uh, fire, ooh, hot, hot, hot. Any kid even who doesn't know, who never touched it, they know. Well, they know. Why do they know? Well, the parents told them, or they, they've, seen it, they, they, they've seen it burn up, so they know. But the second you stick your hand into it, I don't suggest doing this at home, but the second you were to put your finger into, in, into the fire, you feel it, it's much more real. It's much more tangible. When we, want, when, we're, when we want to have faith, we want to make it as real as possible. As real as anything else in the world, God exists and he runs the show. God says, I want you to pray for everything in your life. For your health, for your finances, for your relationships, for everything, for world peace. Why? Because when you pray, what you're going to do, you're... You're, you're showing, in Yiddish we say you're vising, which is still the best way to say it, but vising. <laughs> you're showing that you believe in God. You're, 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 you're living it. You're doing an action like, like Ron said. Prayer is the, is the gateway to, to the higher level of faith, where you live it, where you feel it, where, where it's real. And if we just had the theological faith, it's good, but not great. If God wants us to have the real faith, and therefore he says, pray to me, and make the prayer the way that you get those things that you want. And therefore, that's a tool that you could use. That's an exercise that you could do to make that faith, to concretize that faith, make it more real, Tirza. Well, so you, well, you just kind of can't see. So you just said that, um, without, that you wouldn't get it if you did it that way, right? Yes. So you have it like in potential. Oh, I remember. It's like, uh, yeah, you have to activate it for those word, people who know WordPress. And I just, I'm, I'm working on my website. So WordPress, you have to activate it. You could download it, you could, but you have to activate it. So that's the prayer. Like, it means you have like it in, in you know, Bekoach velo bepoel. You have it, um, it's, it's not, it's, you, I don't mean Bekoach velo bepoel. I'm not sure what you're trying to say. Okay. <laughs> Jill. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have a question? <laughs> oh, I thought I saw that hand. Um, yes. No. Yes, yeah, too hot? <laughs> Jason, I'm listening. Okay. Um, you can't I'm, ask me. I'm curious pray doesn't really mean prayer there. kind of means something else. I'm kind of wondering how that relates to how we're praying. You heard something once and you want to know well, if it... it, it well, what, what I was talking about, it doesn't actually mean to pray, but it's kind of, it's more kind of meaning to like, sort of reflect on yourself or reflect kind of, I guess, within. Anochi lo filalti. That's what you're, you're quoting, the, um, the verse in Parshat Vayetze, in the seventh section of Genesis. Is that what you're quoting? Yeah, right. I, I don't know. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're seeing you more learned than I have. <laughs> so I, I, I want to figure out the etymology. The etymology of the word tefillah. Uh, I have to do that research. Falel is a turnover. Falel? That's what it means? It's a turnover. What's the falel? Falel is a wish for something. Yeah, that's what it means. Rot panecha lo filalti. That's what it says in the top. To wish to yearn. <laughs> so um, I don't know how 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 the how what I'm saying. I don't know what the what the exact uh, etymology of the word is. 
Um, but this is a, this is a, this is a new idea because think about it. Prayer, we say the, the world is supported by three things: Torah, prayer, kindness. Prayer is such a big part of the Jewish practice. It's 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 so integral. It's, it's every day. There's the Shabbat prayers uh, on on on. Uh, uh, Yom Kippur, we pray five times in one day, five distinct prayers. We're supposed to pray avod, prayer, prayer. And, um, and there's a lot of issues with, with how most people perceive prayer, you know, prayer to be. Um, but one of the, one of the things that, um, that the commentators talk about is this idea. Prayer is the way to reach faith. And therefore, therefore, God gave prayer such an, an amazing ability to actually affect change. It means, so the question that most people are, 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 are conveying on their face is, but wait a minute. So if I pray for prosperity, I'm not actually getting prosperity, all I'm getting is faith? Wait a minute, that's a bait and switch. I'm not ready for that. that that's the question I'm seeing. Wait, so if prayer is just a way to get faith, then uh, why are we praying so much? I have enough faith. <laughs> and um, it's true when we pray we end up getting prosperity as well in the theory the theory behind prayer is to get faith but because God wants us to have this tool to get faith therefore he gave prayer that ability to give us the prosperity and to give us the health think about it this way not, God is not the only one running the show we can affect change through our prayers. I mean, someone could be sick, and if no one does anything, they'll die. We can pray and change that. We can actually change it. That's a special ability that God gave prayer, that prayer can actually change the course of the direction of what's happening. Now I have a question. Do you think that maybe prayer is also um, basically... Um, I mean, in every prayer, you know, Rokhata, and yeah. etc. I mean, you're basically thanking Hashem for all the things that He's given appreciation. us. Yeah, appreciation. You're showing appreciation. That's an extra reason. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> all right, then I'll let you continue. Yeah. And while, while you said that, I'm like, hey, there's another reason I didn't write. <laughs> so I wrote that down over here right now. So, so the first reason is like this. The reason behind, the theory behind it is that it's a way to get faith, but because God wanted it to, get, to be a conduit, a channel to have faith, therefore he gave, he gave um, this incredible ability to prayer to actually affect change. And someone could be poor, and that's what they're supposed to be poor, and you could pray and they can have prosperity. Someone is not supposed to get a job, and you could pray that they do a good job. Someone's not supposed, someone's supposed to, ha- is supposed to have trouble in the relationships, or is down to have trouble, and that could, that, that, those things should be smoothed out. Prayer has that ability because God wants us to use it, and therefore he, he, gave, he gave it that ability. That's the first reason why we pray. Um, and reason number two is, is what, this is what Jillian, Jillian pointed out. Think of God as uh, the billionaire dad, right? The billionaire dad. And uh, when, when people think, when you think of billionaire, who do you think of? First, first thing that comes to your head, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Trump. Warren Buffett? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> okay. Soros. No one said Bill Gates, huh? Because Warren Buffett is like the multi-billionaire top number one on earth. <laughs> Not the... Donald Trump is a billionaire. <laughs> Donald Trump is like a flamboyant... Uh, Millionaire, yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's not as well. And he picks himself up from the ground and makes it again. Yeah, he does it. Well, I don't, I don't know if he's technically, is he even technically a billionaire? Do we know? Okay, so the first word that I heard was Warren Buffett, but I thought someone would for sure say Bill Gates, but I feel like he's he's Microsoft. No one has no one. No one ever. Zuckerberg, how about that? No, please. We think of Zuckerberg as this dorky kid with the uh, with the hoodie. That's what we think of this. Anyhow, so Warren Buffett has this quote. He has this quote like this. Um, I, I saw it today. Uh, how much money is he going to give to his kids? Is anyone familiar with the Buffett quote of how much money is he going to give to his kids? It's like a million. Zero. Zero. Is it the enough to do something but not enough to do nothing? Enough money to do anything, but not enough money to do nothing. 
And I read today, uh, looking it up, I, I read that um, they asked uh, uh, Melinda Gates, she is the wife of Bill Gates, and she said, she's going with the Buffett philosophy of giving her kids enough money to do whatever they want, but not enough money to do nothing. Yeah. Enough money to do everything. And that is the smart billionaire's attitude, because even though you could give your child everything they want in a civil platter, they will grow up to be ungracious, unappreciative, obnoxious, under brats. Not prepared. They'll just they'll just sit around and play PlayStation all day. Right. And no, Huh? <clears throat> You'll still take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a smart parent wants their child to have ambition, to 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 to, to, to have to work to, to achieve to achieve you know greatness in life and to you know to try to challenge uh, to take on the world's challenges just like you know both of those you know think of Bill Gates as someone who you know gave thirty billion dollars already to charity unbelievable person because uh, you know the 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 ultimate uh, quintessential philanthropist he wants his children to also have you know successful lives. God's the same way. God's also the billionaire parent. We, each one of us, we have billionaire parents. And God also doesn't want us to be uh, ungracious, unappreciative, obnoxious brats. Therefore, God doesn't just give us everything that we want. That, 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 we, that we want. He wants to give us things, but He wants us to earn it. He wants us to ask for it. He wants us, he wants us to not be haughty, not, not, not be the bratty rich kid who just gets whatever he, whatever he wants, but someone who has a little bit of humility. Someone who has someone who has to ask for it. Now, harkening back to the fundraising discussion at the beginning, um, that's a pretty humbling experience to actually ask. And we're, we're we're sitting in front of God and saying, "God, I know you have all the keys. I know you're the billionaire. I have wants. I have needs. Please give me what I need." Instead of being the ungracious, unappreciative, obnoxious brat, we could be humble. We could uh, we could. Not be full of ourselves, and we can have what our need, what we need, without without losing our character. That's why we pray. And once again, God does give us the ability for prayer to actually affect change. It's not like prayer is just a tool to have humility and to not be a brat and to have faith. No, it does have the power, but it does have the ability to uh, to actually get what we ask for. But that's not the reason why we have it. The reason why is to have the humility, is to, not, is to get, have the appreciation, is to have the faith, and therefore it has the ability to do that. Is that clear? Reason number one. Reason number two. Reason number three. We have three reasons why, why we pray. And this is, this is the last reason why we pray. So we have we pray to have faith. We pray so God just doesn't want doesn't want to be the billionaire father who just has the bratty kids. Anyone here had a kid in their class who was like had the BMW at sixteen? Uh-huh. Yeah, and re- Mercedes S at sixteen and, and, and wrecked it the first night. I mean, I grew up in Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> who didn't have? <laughs> 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 yeah, the parking lot is basically like the hottest cars. That yeah, but like the kid who just got it at at sixteen. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, at 16 and uh, there's a girl I grew up with. She got a brand new Audi, 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 whatever. Whatever. The first night she was out when she was 16, uh, was driving around too fast in the parking lot at Starbucks in Maryland and ran straight into a pole and and basically told her car. (laughs) No, but those kids are brats. They really are brats. Wait, that's an assumption. That's saying though that every hey, child that not gets, every child, right? But if they're a nice kid, if you're a parent, I'm just telling you. We just talked about assumptions in our class, like generalizations. Say it this way. Let me rectify it. Let me let me modify it. If you're a parent who gives your child an Audi or a Mercedes S or a BMW when they're 16, you're more likely to engender brattiness than to, enge- yeah, than to engender or to cause you know, humility and to be you know, someone who's not full of themselves. That's what I'm saying. Not necessarily would they be brats, right. but you know, you know, it's, it's more... Yeah, it's, it's, it does happen, but there are kids that are appreciative. 
And that really would do that. But I'm not giving my kids a Mercedes or an Audi. I'm just saying that not every child that you give an Audi to is going to turn out to be a brat. Without, so I, I have to beg to differ. Jillian's driving an Audi. You can't talk about Audis. Wait, okay. That's why you're, so, you're sticking up. No, I'm sticking up because <laughs> I do that. We talk about overgeneralization today. Yes, what, what do you say, John? And you can't do that. I, you know? I know a lot of kids that grew up very spoiled, and most of them are unappreciative brats. Thank you. <laughs> no, the point is like this. Yes. Again, I agree. Well, you shouldn't. If your parents want to give them a nice gift, they're a nice kid. They should give them a nice gift. Does the gift itself matter? Like, for example, and I don't know, this, I'm trying to tie back no, in no, hypothetically. No, yeah. you know, does it matter if it's a Mercedes or a, you know, in my case, a, you know, five-year-old used car? Five-year-old? It's pretty new still. I mean, a car's a car. Like, I mean, no, I think that, I think that it's more the, the attitude of the parent. The parent has to have the attitude of the child, not, not spoiling the child. It could be with, the kid gets candy whenever they want. The kid gets to stay up whenever they want. It means, it means that the parent, the parent has to, you know, use moderation, use, use smart parenting tools to not make their kids brats. Now, they don't just get whatever they want. It doesn't matter necessarily. The, uh, <laughs> For, for a four-year-old, the Audi, the Audi is uh, a licorice or or twelve licorices. Yeah. Well. necessarily saying that every parent who spoils a child results in an ingracious child, but in all likelihood it's more likely to than if they were to treat them um, you know, with a little bit more strictness or a little bit less spoiledness uh, and to engender humility and to engender faith and <clears throat> lastly God makes all the goodies in the world Contingent, 7523 Tilron Drive, 77071. Contingent on prayer. 7523? Wait, 7523? 7523? When God makes all the goodies in the world contingent on prayer, He guarantees that we will have a relationship with Him. God threw us to this world and all he wants is a relationship with us. 
Therefore, but obviously we live in a world we can't see God. The definition of one of the definitions of God is that He sees us, we can't see Him. In order to ensure that we will have a relationship with Him, He makes all the goodies in the world contingent on prayer. Okay, so we know why we pray. We said we have three reasons why we pray. How do we pray? And how do we make that our prayers to get answered? If so, if someone asks you, why do we pray? You say, well, there's really four reasons. Reason number one, so we should be able to take our faith to the next step. To, make, to take it from the theoretical, from the theological, to, to, to real, make it tangible. Reason number two, because God doesn't want us to be ingracious. Does God doesn't want us to be the kid of the billionaire or the millionaire who gets the car and is a brat. God wants us to have a little bit of humility and he wants us to have a relationship with, her, with him. And therefore, he makes all the things in life, the health, the, the, the happiness, um, the financial success contingent on prayer. Question. When we say, Baruch in which category would that fall into? That would be, well, that's what Baruch means uh, when someone dies, when some bad thing happens to a person, we say that he does it justly. I think that that's not really, I wouldn't call that a prayer, I would call that uh, accepting whatever God does as, as for the best. Um, um, little known tib, tidbit, the, the, just you asked, the, the bracha, the blessing of shehechiyanu. Anyone familiar with that? Anyone familiar with that? Shehechiyanu, which he might have known as mana says. When something good happens, you have to say that blessing. So we, we know that we say, we say it when there's a new fruit or when you have like a new house, you're supposed to say this blessing. If someone dies and leaves their child bereft of a parent, but with a massive inheritance, little known halacha, little known Jewish law is that the child has to say two blessings. Number one, Dayana Emet. Number two, Shehechiyanu, Vitiyamanu, Vitiyanu, Lazmanazet. Really? Because you got an inheritance. Thank God for that. Yeah, I know that's a little sobering. <laughs> A uh, little known fact, but that because you brought that up. Um, okay, so we know why we pray, how do we pray, and uh, how do we make sure that it works? Like, what's the key to make sure that our, our prayer is successful? So, uh, Rabbi Noah Weinberg, a blessed memory, would always give uh, the story of someone, which I think is particularly apt for us Houstonians. You live in the middle of the United States, somewhere in Iowa or Nebraska or one of those states that you hear about during the electoral season and during college football season, but not any other time. Um, and you have a pothole right in front of your house. And you call up the municipality time and time again for months and months, nothing happens. And then you say, you know what? You find the number in the phone book, you call up the White House, you say, let me speak to the president, and... Voila, you're able to speak to the president. And you tell him what's wrong, and the next day you wake up and there's a team of engineers filling up, filling up the pothole. That's what prayer is. It's a direct line to the president. It's a direct line to the person who has all the power to give you whatever you want. But who has, who has that access? Who has the kind of access to the, to the president? The cabinet. <laughs> the cabinet? The cabinet. The president's children. The child has such access to the parent. We are the president's children. Is that a movie or something like that? The president's children. All the president's men. Oh, the president's men. <laughs> we are... There was a movie about a president's daughter. The president's daughter. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, she falls in love with her first kid. Uh, <laughs> 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 I bet it would be. Yeah, I bet it is. Right? Was it Wendy Morris? The first kid. You haven't seen it? First kid was a movie with Sinbad. With Sinbad. That's a genie. Sinbad's the nanny. <laughs> we are the president's children. 
We have the access. So how do we do it? So there's only one rule. Sincerity. We have to be sincere. Which means you have to ask for what you want, what you really want. And say in the way that you say it to your friend. Like a person who speaks to his friend. That is the way we're supposed to speak to God. I would advise, I would suggest to forget about the prayer book. Don't ever open one of those. If you open it, open it only when necessary. Absolutely. Talk to God in English. What is the best language to communicate with God? The language you speak in. The language that you speak in. The language that you're most comfortable in. Your mother tongue. So for Ron and I, that would be Hebrew. For everyone else... I'm joking. I grew up in New York, but... But for... (laughs) But for everyone else... Yiddish, oh, very good, very good. <laughs> you have to speak to God in the language you're most comfortable in. People, I see people breaking their teeth over Hebrew and trying to figure it out, and they don't know what they're saying. And it's a good thing, but remember, the historical t- context of the prayer book, the only reason why it was enacted was because people weren't doing what's right. People weren't praying at all. We have to... We have, to go, we have to do the, the best prayer, like, like Ron said, that is praying in the language we're most comfortable in, asking God for our needs. It's that simple. It's that simple. And you can do it 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 times a day. 100 times a day. Try it. You're walking outside, and you, or you're walking to an interview, or you have some complicated thing, and you're, you have a hard phone call to make, or anything. You're in a time of, you need something, you're not feeling well, speak to God in English. Promise you, he can hear every word you're saying. Don't think it, because the second you think it, you just think about it. You're not having that. It's not real. It's not concrete. It's like you're not making it tangible. Remember, we asked at the beginning, how? Well, how can we just kind of think? Because God wants you to pray. He wants you to ask. He wants you to make it real. Make it real, like you're talking to someone. Like a man speaking to his friend. That's the way it's supposed to be. And how do you speak to your friend? In the language you're most comfortable with. How do you speak to your friend? In the way you talk to other people. What, how, how do you say it? You, you cut to the chase. Say it directly. In the language you're most comfortable in. You don't need to have a special room. You don't have to wear special clothing. You don't have to put on the funny kippah or wear a talit. None of that. You can talk to God wherever, whenever, at any time of the day or night. That's what it's about. And we'll be able to... It is a little humbling. That's why some people, when they want to talk to God, they go, go to the phone booth and they start talking like this, as if they're talking on the phone. But uh, they're talking to God. Some people do that. But, uh, but it doesn't have... Just, just say it like that when you're, when you're walking. Just walk around. And... In English. It's, it's simple. Who here has proficiency in English? I think everyone, right? Barely. <laughs> conversational. I don't know. I didn't want to speak on the SATs for that side, so. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, conversational. Conversational English. We're all pretty good at conversational English. And. Um, that is what it's about. Anytime you need something, anytime you want something, anytime you have faced a challenging point of your, of your day, talk to God. At the beginning of the day, say, Hashem, please make this day good. Please let me make that sale. Please let me get that promotion. Please let me do whatever it is you want to do. Please let me drive safely so I don't crash into someone or crash into the pole in Marla and Starbucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was great. <laughs> and at every point of our day, you don't need to have a special room for it. You don't need to have special clothing. You don't need to learn a special language that's really funny. There's no dots anywhere. And it's, there's, no, there's no vowels, but there's dots and there's letters and dots. You have to figure out where the, where, the, where, you know, where the dots are. It's crazy. It's so difficult. Hebrew, who could have thought of such a crazy language? English, that's all I know. Speak to God in English. I don't have time in my day for prayer. Really? When you walk from your cubicle to the coffee or to the water cooler or to the restroom... Or do you go up, you go walking down the steps or in the elevator? Talk to God. 
<laughs> Walking around <laughs> talking about himself. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> no one will think you're crazy. <laughs> no one will. Yeah. No one will think you're crazy because everyone will assume that you have. Everyone will assume that you have a Bluetooth in your ear, even though I don't think those ideas are popular. Yeah, today is not that peculiar to go around and just talking to yourself. Everyone assumes. How many times have you have you said? He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm like, no, I'm on the phone. <laughs> and there's nothing to... And doing this, this exercise, doing it 10 times, 20 times, it, it integrates spirituality into your life and it makes it so convenient because you don't really need to change anything. You don't need to change anything that you do. You could talk to God in a genuine fashion and you could really integrate um, spirituality into your day-to-day practice. And it's not hard. No one's asking you to learn a new language. No one's asking you to wear funny clothing or to go to a certain place or in Shabbat where you have prayer. In, your, in the course of your life, the course of your day, talk to God 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 times a day. Run. By the way, this is something that I always, uh, what I always like about the difference between Judaism and Christianity that I see the Christians, it's, it's a very unique difference because they need to be in a specific place and be connected through a specific, either a priest, I mean, they have to go to a priest to be forgiven. They have to pray for uh, some statue of uh, Christ or whatever, or to his mother, or to his father, <laughs> because that, that, that statue is supposed to forgive them and give them all the blessings and everything. They have to pray for like a cross. And uh, what's good about Judaism, we have a direct link to God. That's it. I don't need anybody else in between. We're the, pre- priest, right? we're the, pres- we're the president's over. children. Yeah. We're the president's children. Think about that. Your dad is a billionaire. I wish. No, he really is. <laughs> I don't think you're doing that bad. <laughs> yeah, most of us would switch places. <laughs> Yeah, but really, God loves us. God wants the best for us. He wants to give us everything. Just ask. Ask in English. Ask. In the course of your day, you don't need to change anything. You don't need to. If you have any distress, any interesting, it's an interesting point. Um, because we have a dispute amongst the, uh, the Roshonim, amongst the, comment, the early commentators. Uh, as to whether or not there is a Torahitic obligation to pray every day or not. What? Torahitic. Midoraita. From the Torah. Okay. Is there a Torah um, commandment to pray every day or not? So the Rambam, Maimonides, uh, <coughs> 1135 to 1204, uh, he says that, um, that there is a commandment for Ototah Avod to pray every single day. The Ramban, Nachmanides, uh, note that I didn't say is not is the years because I don't know them. Uh, he says very interesting. There is a Torahitic commandment to pray, but not every day, and not every Shabbat, and not every Yom Kippur. So what? So when is so when is the obligation to pray? Whenever you're in a time of distress, whenever you're under duress. Whenever you're dealing with a challenge, whenever you have some pain, whenever you need him, then there's an obligation to pray. Very interesting. In the foxhole, that's when there is a Torah in obligation to, to pray. Very interesting. We would think, well, wait a minute. If you don't pray every day, now you need me? Now you come to me? But that's wrong. Because that's exactly what prayer is about. Whenever you need Him, that's when you're supposed to pray. That's what it is. You need God, you pray. That's exactly the point. That's why you you only have to pray at time because that's when you're supposed to pray. It's real. You're trying. Your 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 father is the president. Whenever you need Him, you call Him. Right. Right, that's true. No, but it's no, but. <laughs> but you should be praying every day anyway. Right, right. 
Yeah, but today when I was like what time I was speeding and I ran a stop sign. I only got the speed. I only got the ticket for <laughs> one time you were speeding. I think. <laughs> but we we would think we, uh, to us it wouldn't make sense. Wait a minute. If you don't pray every day, don't come to me. Don't come to me when you have a problem. Don't come to me when you have a chance. That's, that, that's what we're thinking. Wait a minute. Don't come to us when you have a problem. If you don't come every day. Don't come. To, don't, don't come to me now. If you don't. But the opposite is true. The only reason why we think that. The only reason why, why we think that if you don't pray every day, you shouldn't ask when you need it, is because we think that we're praying for God, and therefore, if we're praying for God, you have to pray for God every day, and not only when you need Him. But the opposite is true. We're not praying for God. Doesn't need us. God doesn't need us at all. We're praying for ourselves. When does God want us to pray? Whenever we need Him. That's the point. Which is every day. That's why, that's, that's why, that's why we're supposed to pray, we pray every day. But there's no question on someone who prays only when they need it. Because that's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be real. Real, like you're, imagine your dad is the president. You know, I've met Jared's father. He's pretty well-connected in Houston. Um, I'm sure that if he would run, he would have a good chance of winning. He was a little bit more connected. He's a cool, good-looking guy, smooth, right? Wise. I think. Imagine your dad was president. Put together, handsome. <laughs> imagine he was president. Think about it. If he was, what would you do different? Ask my mom. Yeah. That's the thing. Imagine your dad was president. My dad wouldn't give me nothing. I know that, but. Imagine your dad was president. Just one so that's the idea, gentlemen. Get your prayer answered. We had a question there, Liana. Right? You did? It was off topic. Okay. When you need us, we're there for you. That, that's what being a parent is. We're there for you. If you need something, you ask. Well, ultimately, that if God is, a, if God is the ultimate parent, that's the same kind of scenario, realistically. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with asking. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's it. Exactly. When you, when you need him, he's there. And you don't have to feel bad because we only feel bad because we think that we're giving God something when we pray. Prayer is all for us. We're praying, and that's the way for us to build our relationship with Him, to build our faith, to get a little bit of humility, to get a little appreciation, and to get everything that we want and need. And I strongly urge urge you to try it. Try it for a little bit. Try it for a week. Talk to God 5, 10, 20 times a day. It's an eye-opening experience. Really, it'll change your life. Try it. You won't regret it. Thank you. We'll see you everyone next week. Questions?